Welcome to the second episode of Demol Valkyrie Season 11 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Hampstead, and joining me this week is the guy who is always at risk of losing his security deposit wherever he goes, David Bindley. Good morning. Good morning. How's your week been? Pretty good. I'm sort of slowly unpacking everything. Yeah, because I don't actually think we mentioned that you moved house a couple of weeks ago. No. Didn't we? I don't think so. I don't think we ever mentioned that you were you were moving. I knew, obviously, but I don't think we actually mentioned it on the podcast. Okay. I moved house a couple of weeks ago. That's why I'm unpacking. I'm just, I'm not, you know, just doing it for fun. That's the story. Yeah. And obviously I've aged in the last week. Not that we like to harp on about it, but um, I've careened into my 30s. Oh, God. You make me feel so old whenever I do this with you. I try. That's why we're shipping you off to the old folks home next week. Getting the new sprightly Logan Saunders model at sort of 31 <laughs> going on 32. Back in his rightful home next week. Although I did realise when I was editing last week, I didn't actually mention who Logan suspected last week. Which is oh. really annoying because I was very proud of who it was. So last week's Logan suspicions were, of course, Evie Hansen from Colombia, Leticia off of Albania, and naturally Ellie Loost. Oh, of course. And this week's ones are Victor Brand, Eric off Czechia, and naturally Nabil. <laughs> I'm actually going to miss the Logan's fake suspicions joke. It's one of my favourite things we've come up with in the last three months or so. It's right. You've got six more weeks you can do fake suspicions for me. Yeah, it's less fun though, because yeah. you actually wouldn't suspect these people. It's it's actually plausible that Logan would suspect Evie, Leticia, Ellie, Victor, Eric, or Nabil. True. But his actual suspicions when he bothered to catch up were Ruben, Lila, and Thomas for week one, as has now been updated on social media. And it's fair to say that Logan is sus. Yes, he is. Do you know where he is? I do. In, in fact, he's so sus that we did what we were advised to do weeks ago and sent him to The Hague. I hear the hospitality is lovely. But, you know, in the meantime, I'm the anti-Logan for one more week. You are. By the time that this comes out, Logan should be roughly home, I think. He's probably going to be home fairly late on Thursday, but he is due home this week. Arguably, he's he's in somewhere potentially more expensive than the Netherlands, which is Sweden, last I heard. Oh, fancy. He got the train from Copenhagen to Malmo for a couple of hours last night. So that's where I saw that he was last, but he's flying home at some point this week. And he will be back in his chair next week. And strap in, it's going to be a long episode knowing Logan. Given he's got three months of talking to me to, to get back into. That's why I'm not going to be here. So previously, nine strangers flew to Arizona and were joined by world-famous actor Matteo Simone in their quest to find the vol. Lancelot and Reuben left Connie and Samuel behind, while Tuss won a duel with Lisa Lot for the first exemption of the game. Comfort couldn't walk the line, but it was Matteo who reached the end of the line, as he was the first executed. And we cut back to a month before departure, and Gilles testing something, how good the mole can pretend, which is one of the hardest things for any mole. Reacting to things naturally when you know what is about to happen. During the interview, everyone will be... Just look at Euro for the last ten weeks. Exactly. I mean, he overacted wonderfully. Some would say. Mm. And during their interviews, everyone will be asked if they can act, and then a light will fall from the ceiling. They have to not react, just like in Arizona. And now for the first Bindle's gloating point, because the episode title is Today You Are Marines, You're Part of a Brotherhood, from which film? Full Metal Jacket, which I said last week. Yes, you did. Mostly because it was the only one that came to mind. Yeah, I thought they'd go more Saving Private Ryan, but no. 
yet again, Demolvalkia has disappointed me. Well, at least we didn't get the line about, you know, how the gun is your new girlfriend. Very true. So it's day four in Sedona, and everything is quiet, until a chandelier falls from the ceiling. Jill tells them they'll be travelling somewhere near shortly, however there's a little problem. Things have gone missing from the house, and if they want their security deposit back, the candidates are going to have to find them. (laughs) This is such a stupid justification for a challenge, but I love it. I know Demol Belkia has a reputation of having very convoluted reasons for challenges, but this may be my favourite stupid reason for a challenge. Yep. You can just imagine the brainstorm in the production office. Like, oh, we're going to be hiring houses again. Okay. Uh, what if we do something with the security deposit? Let's make stuff disappear and make them throw it off a moving train. Okay. <laughs> so he's looking for four resourceful candidates who want to ensure everything is returned in one piece. And Comfort asks if anyone noticed anything missing. And Connie says that they should be searching in the room. And they choose Toast, Connie, Thomas and Reuben, leaving the other five to spend the afternoon being tourists. Nothing bad will ever happen when you're a tourist on the mole, surely. And at least at least Toast puts pants on. Very true. Only when Jill tells him to, though. Yeah. And we find out in the car that Ruben's favourite song is Party in the USA, in case we didn't love him enough. <laughs> the five tourists, Samia, Lila, Comfort, Lot, and Lancelot, are on a beautiful train ride through the Verde Canyon, along a route which used to be the only way into a copper mine. And when they're sat in the carriage, they do notice some very familiar items along the train, all with prices attached to them. And it looks like we've got a good old-fashioned switcheroo on our hands. Yay. The other four arrive at a deserted place next to the train track, and there is a sign telling them that the train will pass them twice, and it's up to them to collect the items later. And all they've got to do to save the four items that need to be returned is build big-ass nets. <laughs> I think my favourite thing about this challenge is like when you get to the end and you realise they were supposed to throw the table off, and then you're like, which one of these four things is, is was supposed to catch the table? Because, like... N- None of them look sturdy. I think this entire challenge is just unnecessary layers for comedic effect. Because you don't need to throw them off a moving train. You don't need to get them to build big-ass nets to catch them. You don't need to make the guy swallow the key for the tool section of this. It's just all so wonderfully unnecessary. So Gilles comes over the tannoy on the train, tells the train riders to head to the outside carriage for further instruction, and Reuben and Connie tell them what they've got to do. There are four items that are missing, and only those will be worth money for the pot. Those are a sculpture of a deer, the vase of flowers with the flowers obviously, a side table, and a lamp. And to help them work out the four correct items, they must solve the barmaid's riddles in the space of 90 minutes. Like I, I feel like this is like so many layers of ridiculousness that they this fucking show yeah it's the first challenge this season where i go this fucking show yeah like last week was great but it was like the mole's greatest hits it it didn't feel like they were being like as inventive as normal but this this was just brilliant yeah this is gloriously silly yeah in a way that only the mole bell here can do and my favourite little subtle wrinkle of this is, the more they mess up with the riddles, the drunker they become. And this is a show that loves to ply these people with alcohol. Nobody tell Americans. I mean, anyone from Florida would be very wary of people being given a drop of alcohol on a show like this. But Demol Belkia goes all in and just says, 
every time you mess up, you got to do two cocktails between the five of you. Have fun. Yeah. Which group would you have wanted to be in? I think I probably would have ended up on the train. If you're the mole, yeah. you want to be on the train here, I think. Mm-hmm. But I think as soon as you start saying, oh, you got to string cocktails, they'll be like, yeah, this isn't going to be for me, sorry. Yeah. I, I feel like I would have been good at the like the brain teasers. Maybe not so much, you know, building the net. Like, probably could have done like the puzzle with, you know, matching the tools to their names. That that wasn't too hard. Certainly would have done it a lot quicker than these idiots. Yeah, it, it wasn't that hard, especially for a joiner. Yeah. I didn't have Toast very high up my list last week, but he shot up my list just from the fact that he didn't seem to know his own job. Yeah. I, I feel like it was probably easier for the mole to be on the train, but I also feel like that, that might have been like a little bit too obvious and that maybe they put him in the net group as a distraction. Yeah, and also we didn't really see the effectiveness of the nets. No. Well, it's kind of hard for them to be effective when you know they're throwing things one metre from the train. I will get to that point because it's potentially one of my favourite Demol Belkia moments ever. It's the noise that the vase makes when it smashes. <laughs> this stupid, wonderful show. So they solve the first riddle pretty quickly and work out that the train from Mole to Antwerp departs at 12.59, so they need to put one fifty on the brand new cocktail clock. Instead of a normal clock, they have to turn the hands on a cocktail clock and order the two cocktails that it points to. If they're correct, they will receive cocktails with hints in the umbrellas, and they order a Cosmopolitan and a Bloody Mary. And the first clue is, when you sing, you begin with Do, Re, Mi from The Sound of Music, and Lisa Lot solves it immediately as Do, a female deer. The Bloody Mary gives the clue, but I'm still, I'm still an animal from Mike Snow, and it is worth 500 euros if it gets back to the house safely. Spoilers! It is not going to get to the house safely. The ground team find a man chained with a key on his tongue, like he's in one of Logan's videos, and they're told to match every tool to its correct name, and Harry's freedom will be within their grasp. Harry will help them build four structures, but in order to do that, he needs to be free, and luckily for them, Toast is a joiner, so knows his stuff, and they quickly have the first six correct. For the second riddle, they're given five events and times and asked which one was not right, either the Twin Towers at 9.03am, Queen Elizabeth's death at 11.20am, Obama's inauguration at 12.05, moon landing at 10.56, or the Titanic sinking at 11.40. Did you know the correct answer to this one? Uh, I was kind of like working it out. Like I, I knew the Twin Towers were early in the morning, because um, it was late at night here. I, I figured the moon landing would have been at night, just because, you know, it was black, but then, then I just remembered, you know, space. I knew the inauguration's usually around midday, so it would have been between the Queen and the Titanic for me. But then, you know, I'm also thinking, okay, what time zone is the time in? Like, is it Arizona time? Is it whatever time the event was in? Is it Belgian time? I, I don't know. But um, I probably would have gone with the Titanic first. Yeah, I would have gone moon landing hmm. as my first thought, because I always thought that the moon landing was sort of morning UK time. Which would make 10.56pm a bit early, but I mean, I probably should have known that the Queen Elizabeth's death was uh, was announced in the afternoon rather than the morning, because I remember the build-up to it being, it was like about a day in advance they started wearing black ties on the news, so everyone knew it was coming eventually, and then I'd completely forgotten that it was actually announced in the afternoon. Yeah. 
and then they went straight back to you know whatever dance track was on the radio at the time. So they go for the inauguration, but it is wrong, so they have to have another go and another set of cocktails with just under an hour to go on the clock. Thomas starts arguing with Toast about the tools and ends up making it worse. The train's almost halfway there, and there is absolutely nothing constructed yet. The second attempt is Queen Elizabeth, and this time it's correct. I'm a big, big girl in a big, big world, and I said, ooh, I'm blinded by the lights, and it's pointing them towards the lamp worth 1,500 euros. After many attempts, Harry finally gives them the nod that the tools are correct, and he gives them the plans for four structures to help save the items, and they can ask for his help three times during construction for five minutes at a time. The third riddle is solved, and they get I can't keep up with your turning tables, and let's sing, let's swing, and they pick an hourglass worth 600 euros, but they were actually looking for a 2,000 euro table. In the cocktail drinking group, there is, of course, Samia and Lancelot, neither of whom drink, meaning that the cocktails have to be shared between three people unless they're virgin ones. Although, I think we actually see Samia sipping one of them at, at one point. I don't know whether it was the virgin cocktail that she got as well. Maybe. And there are only 20 minutes left on the clock, and none of the four nets are built yet. Ruben tests one of them, and then it blows over. He piles rocks and sand on top of it, and then we get the final riddle. The final riddle is what time it is when the two hands of a clock are at 90 degrees for the sixth time in a day. I got this one. This is, dare I say it, a very 1% club question. Yeah. Although luckily, they were only on the train for 90 minutes. Yep, and they were actually being allowed to drink. And later they got to shit in the middle of the episode. Because on the episode of the 1% club I was in the audience for, the £100,000 question was all about clocks, and I got it almost immediately. Sadly, I'd already gone out by that point. So Jill tells us that it's three o'clock, and they need a virgin mojito and a Moscow mule, and their hints are, baby, I can pay you to a kiss from the rose on the grey, and soon turned out, had a heart of glass, both of which are pointing towards the vase right in front of them. The builders use Harry a second time with ten minutes left, and they will only earn money if the items land in the nets unbroken. And you know when this sort of clarification is given, that they're screwed. Oh, of course. They move Ruben's white nest and it falls apart again. They get a walkie-talkie to talk tactics with three minutes to go on the clock. Now, now we come to the wonderfully subtle moment of everything being destroyed. (laughs) (laughs) It was just so funny. I shouldn't have laughed as hard as I did, but as soon as I watched that, I I actually paused it and messaged you just going, there was a wonderful moment in the first challenge. (laughs) and it's the point where I think it's the lamp breaks first and you just hear the crushing but it's Mm. like that Simpsons thing channeling my inner Logan of you can see the exact moment where their heart breaks (laughs) and it's the exact moment where the lamp just breaks in two I I love that like the nets were completely irrelevant because they don't even get close with any of them nope (laughs) like they, they might as well have just thrown them off the other side of the train they would have got closer I think Toast says it at the end, it's like, yeah, Thomas told them it was 10 metres away and they got maybe half a metre. It's absolutely delicious comedy. And it's exactly our brand of comedy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I suppose I should say, as someone who works for a railway, don't try this at home. But, you know, it's funny. (laughs) For comedy, you're allowed to try it. Yeah. Just, you know, not at my railway. Go to one of the other ones. If you're going to throw something off a train, don't do it off Thomas the Tank Engine. That's what Bendel's is saying. Yep. So everything is delightfully destroyed, and none of them are even remotely close. 
Thomas tries throwing the deer statue and it lands perfectly in the net. And obviously, no euros of 5,000 euros go into the pot. And even worse, Gilles tells them that they have lost their security deposit. <laughs> I love when Gilles is a dickhead to them. That's the thing. They've had a really bad start to the season. Maybe more so than any season apart from the one with Bart where he raided the pot for an exemption at the start. But it means that Gilles just gets to be a complete knob to them. Which is the best kind of Gilles. And he tells them that luckily, seeing as though they lost their security deposit, they're instead going to be sleeping somewhere that could be very interesting in their search for the mole. The mole has to do so much more than sabotage, and one of the hardest things to do is to react to things that you know are yet to come. And they head to the nearby town of Jerome to eat their evening meal, but upon arrival they are given very specific parking instructions by a production assistant. However, when they park, Reuben and Lila as the drivers are giving a secret mission, that evening they'll be watching the reactions to the falling lamp, but one of the two of them will see more than the rest. That person will be the driver whose car arrives last, and they will see all of the videos. It kind of felt like the people on the train who had to drink the alcohol were, you know, screwed out of getting to participate in this. However, if you're going to give it to anyone in this cast, I mean, Reuben and Lila are both probably up there for me. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I don't think this would have been as funny if it was, like, Thomas. Yeah, in terms of the comedic potential, they played a blinder here with who they picked. So their drive starts at 6.33pm, and the videos will be shown at 8. The journey is 54 minutes long, and to complicate things, if they tell anyone else that they have a mission, or about the trag race, as it's called in the episode, then they will lose automatically. Wonderfully subtle pun from producers there. Ruben pretends not to see the GPS on his screen and Lancelot and Toast try and guide him through it. And Lot snarks them and says that they know how to do it because they have posh cars and her and Ruben don't. I kind of really like Lot. Like, I, I wasn't expecting to like her this much after last week, but she's really funny. Yeah, she's much more entertaining when she's not stuck in a caravan for most of the episode. Yeah. Because it's even like when they're about to depart the accommodation, she says, Oh, my first challenge! You know, halfway through episode two. So Reuben pulls over and pretends to show them trees. He then goes to the bathroom in the woods. And Reuben's car, Lot, Lancelot and Toast, get very frustrated with him for doing it. Lila overtakes, but also plans to use the bathroom. And she pulls into a lay-by and asks for tissues and ends up just wandering around, obviously stalling for about 10 or 15 minutes. I, I kind of love that Pierce breaks are an important plot point here, rather than just something you do whenever Yura is on screen. Or indeed, in your case, when I start rattling off stats at the end of this episode. Yep. To make things more fun, if either car arrives after 8, then no one will see any videos. And Reuben's car somehow arrives first, the second car a minute later at 7.58pm. Shield then tells everyone about the secret mission, and Lila gets to pick which four or the group C, but she alone will be the one that sees 9. And she picks Comfort, Sanya, Reuben and Connie, but of course we also get to see a fifth one, in the form of world-famous actor Massimo Simone. I, I did like Papa Bear accusing them of, you know, oh, did you get caught in traffic? One of them goes, oh no, just a bathroom break. <laughs> He's such a shit. We find out during the videos that Lila sees that Lancelot bribed a cop in Malawi not once but three times. Lila does watch the other five and says afterwards that it is a poison chalice. You can become a victim of your own tunnel vision. And she refuses to say why she picked the four people that she did. Who would you have picked? See, in Lila's position, it's tough because 
you're kind of revealing your suspicions, which is probably what she meant by it being a poison chalice. I think you pick your top two suspects, maybe, and then probably two people you don't suspect, just to throw people off a little bit. Because it's the same logic as, as the public test in the ostrich maze, because in doing that, you can find out who everyone else suspects, if you're clever. Yeah. But you also don't want to, in episode two, reveal all of your suspicions like Lila maybe was forced to. I think you don't pick your suspects, because you're going to see all nine of them anyway. You might as well you know, pick four people you don't really care about, don't really suspect, and then that way you get even more information as an advantage than the producers were expecting you to have. Yeah, the only advantage I would say to picking two people you actually do suspect in front of everyone else is you then get to see their reactions. Hmm. Because the mole was briefed on not reacting to the lamp, but was the mole briefed on not reacting to them not reacting to the lamp? Interesting. I think there is more information for whoever is picking in actually picking some people you do suspect and testing them in front of the group than just watching it on your own and getting maybe a little bit of information out of that. That's a good point. So they find the living arrangements for the night, and it's basically a school hall with camp beds set up. It's described as being a little more spartan than their previous accommodation. On the plus side, they do have a table. They do indeed. Sadly, it's got to be thrown off a train the next day. <laughs> so Lila is happy with how the day went. Tani was the only one in the video who accused the light falling of being a test, which is a very good hint for her. Lisa Lott had ruled her out, but she started by saying she couldn't act, and what you see is what you get. Toast says you can't deny that Connie is not suspicious. Lovely double negative there. She has a very sincere vibe. Lancelot says he would have loved to have seen Lisa Lott as she's his number one suspect. They are woken up on day five in Prescott at the crack of dawn by a very shouty drill sergeant named Floyd. Here's a question for you. Do you think he's a real drill sergeant? Why do I have the feeling you've looked this up and you know the answer? You would be correct, because I've got his IMDb page up in front of me. Of course. And in fact, the only reason I knew he was an actor is because Papa Bear actually tagged him in a picture on Instagram. <laughs> I mean, he did a good job at it. He did. I presume he's got a family in the military or something. But I can't find any evidence that he actually served in, in any of the armed forces in America. But he's called Bork Floyd. He played Brady in Dawson's Creek. Oh. He's also in Minority Report. Uh, he worked as a model for Abercrombie and Fitch, Valentino, and Calvin Klein. I'll be back in 20 minutes. He also starred in seminal hit Big Mama's House 2 with Martin Lawrence and Zachary Levi. Huh. While acting is certainly his passion, he counts himself as a father first and can be found spending his free time cooking, playing guitar, or singing karaoke. And also, of course, berating Belgians. <laughs> because he was another highlight of this episode. Yeah. I, I kind of wonder how much they told him about the format of the show before they got him to yell at the contestants. I think he probably was aware of the American version. Maybe yeah. he'd watched Netflix Mole and was so frustrated by how much they'd butchered it that he then just took it out on the, the poor Belgians who came across him. Because it would have been about the same time. If my guess of day one being November 3rd is correct, this was about November 8th. So... I think all of Netflix Mall pretty much had been released by that point. Maybe the final hadn't. Yeah. Although this is much better than that. Oh god, yeah. This is so much fun. 
even if we have to see Ruben shirtless again. I know, I'm, I'm sure that's terrible for you. Better make it 25 minutes. <laughs> I mean, Toast, what sort of a name is that? Do your parents hate you? I can see why. <laughs> I love that I spent, like, the entire 10 weeks of Vidim trying not to make the joke that Yugaluk is the same sort of thing that comes up on the keyboard when a cat walks all over it. And then we get this, like, an episode and a half into this season. My other favourite one is obviously Connie being asked where she's from, and he just goes, I don't care! <laughs> you know what we didn't get? That clip from the preview about, are you ready for some fucking pain? Yeah, I was going to say that. We didn't get the fucking pain clip, which is very interesting. Although, you know, if the fucking pain persists, use more lube next time. The reason the Connie thing made me laugh so much is because in 2009, which is making me feel very old because that was 14 years ago now, I went to see the American comedian Stephen Lynch when he came to Salford. And he did a very, very good cover of Purple Rain. And he kept going up to audience members and going, what's your name? I don't care. (laughs) So this just brought back memories of Lynch. I've seen Lynch about four or five times now, and he's always brilliant when I see him. I think my favourite, like, subtle thing about the this whole sequence is, like, he's doing that thing with Toos where it's like, you expect me to believe that's a real fucking name. Meanwhile, you know, Lancelot and Comfort are right there. Yeah, and Lot for that matter. Yeah. One thing we didn't mention last week about Comfort as well is, her nickname seems to be Commie, which is very confusing when you're trying to listen out and not have subs between Commie and Connie. I basically gave up the last, like, five minutes of the episode. So our very own Drill Sergeant Papa Bear appears and tells them they'll be doing the Navy SEAL entrance exam. Lisa and Sammy were the two slowest, so they will have a slightly different day, but just as important. The rest must pass three separate challenges, one of strength, one of endurance, and one of shooting, and to give them a chance, they can work in groups. They need to form two pairs and one trio, and they pick Comfort and Thomas, Reuben, Lancelot, and Connie, and Lila and Toos. Probably a good idea to put Connie in the group of three. Yes, I would agree. The whole thing was like, are you at a concert? You haven't left the ground yet, LeBron. (laughs) My favourite thing about that is the fact she leans into it and just starts kind of waving her arms like she is actually at a concert (laughs) at that point. This is another very good group of contestants. I know we mentioned Mm -hmm. it about Lisa a lot, but like, Connie is very sneaky funny as well. Yeah. Like, I, I liked basically every season of this this version. But this cast is probably one of my favourites. Yeah, they're all just having a lot of fun, I think. Yeah. I think that's kind of what it boils down to, is just everyone seems to be enjoying themselves. And I know the previous two seasons were sort of affected by the COVID protocols. I don't know how many COVID protocols are still in place. Well, Shields is giving them hugs again. Well, he was giving them hugs last year. He gave them hugs in Canary Islands he didn't in Germany. It's probably you know easy to forget that considering they only had like two normal eliminations last year. Yeah, I know it was. I know the previous two seasons were kind of affected a little bit by COVID. Obviously, thankfully, no cases or anything from the show, but they were done under the the spectre of COVID. Yeah. Whereas this one just feels like everyone's like, yeah, we're back to normal now. We can actually enjoy ourselves a little. That doesn't mean they managed to cast people who know what about face means. Oh God, no! That's just funny though, isn't it? That means turn around. Samia and Lisa Lot will be determining how much money can be earned today by the other groups. And all they have to do is peel potatoes. And for every kilo they peel, they earn 50 euros for the pot. And they have one hour to peel those potatoes. Lisa Lot 
being sneaky funny again, said she was hoping to not have to wear an apron once in her three weeks on the mole. Because she's a butcher. For the strength test, the weakest in each team must lay down for sit-ups, and they must do 60 sit-ups in two minutes. Each group who succeeds will raise the stakes. Lisa Lott and Samia can help the others and swap them out by throwing a peeled potato at the bucket in front of the lamp that glows when they're doing assignments. However, if they throw the potato, it cannot be counted for their money. This kind of felt like they were really trying to get them a lot of money here. Yeah, this is a very easy challenge to earn a lot of money, and I'm guessing it was nine grand as the max? Probably. Like You'd figure you know, maybe 20 kilos total, because they end up with 18. So that'd be a thousand there. You got three sets of multiplied by three, so nine. They 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 would have used a fair bit of those potatoes thrown at the at the bucket. So maybe ten even. Yeah, I I think it was probably I think it was probably enough to get to get a thousand euros and then multiply by nine. And you figure if if they win anything, it's going to be have to be a minimum of three. Because they, they all have to pass the last part to win the money. So you you guaranteed the three multipliers from the potato gun. And then anything else is really just a bonus. So the group succeed in sit-ups, but now they must do 50 push-ups in two minutes to earn their multiplier. Each team who succeed multiply the potato earnings up to a maximum of times nine. Sammy has to tell Lisa Lot not to throw straight away. Connie, however, struggles after four. With 66 seconds left, they earn a switch. Tosin, Layla, and Thomas and Comfort all pass, but the team of three run out of time despite Ruben's best efforts. For the second challenge, the weakest links must carry eight kilo backpacks and run five kilometers in 30 minutes. After each kilometer, there is the option to switch if Samia and Lisa Lot allow them to. They get three potatoes in and all three switch their rucksacks out with Tos, Thomas, and Lancelot. Considering how they're you know, trying to build up this draw sergeant as a character, it was kind of nice to see him like complimenting Connie for trying. Yeah, I mean, for all Connie's piss-taking that was required, she was putting a lot of effort in. Yeah. She was actually trying, unlike Yora, who was just trying. So very, very trying. After the second lap, Thomas is allowed to switch, but Toast is not, despite him being a smoker. And Lancelot body-slams Reuben in their changeover. No switches happen after the third lap, including Toast, who's on his third lap. He struggles on the fourth lap, and Ruben switches with Connie. Comfort doesn't switch, but Toast does with Lila. And Connie crosses the line in time, as does Comfort, increasing the stakes to times four. After the hour is up, they peel 18 kilos of potatoes to earn 900 euros as their stake. For the final challenge, each group must hit a target with a potato from a potato gun, and they've got 10 minutes and 10 free potatoes. Anything after that will be taken from the pile of peeled potatoes if Lisa Lot and Samia don't run the one kilometre to the guns and stop them. This reminded me of that really old challenge where it's like all the brain teasers in the university and then they go and, you know, lead them around to get them lost and then they have to try and go back and stop the first, the second group from solving the same puzzles and taking away the prize. Yeah, it's a very old school challenge. Which I like. Yeah, we haven't really seen this too much from this show generally, actually, because they're very reluctant to go for tricks like that anymore. Which kind of makes it more effective when they do do it. So they run out of potatoes and go for the peeled ones, and Reuben finally hits one of the targets, increasing the stakes to times five. Lisa Lot and Sammy reach them and tell them to swap for the unpeeled potatoes, and Lancelot tries to keep the peeled potatoes, claiming 
that the unpeeled ones don't slide as well. Tos and Layla also hit a target, leaving Thompson Comfort with 50 seconds left as the only ones who haven't. Thomas hits the target to make the stakes times 7. Jill then returns and tells them they had 14 kilos of unpeeled potatoes left, meaning 700 euros times 7, or 4,900 euros for the pot. And that gives them a total of 4,909,000 for the challenge, 4,914,000 for the episode, and 6,330 of 28,500 for the season so far. Sergeant Floyd said he'd serve alongside any of these people any day of the week, and I'm like, let's not go nuts. Yeah, and also, more importantly, he wasn't in the military that I can see. That is a very empty compliment. <laughs> oh, I was just thinking, you know, about his, like, sort of childlike wonder. It's like, potatoes, it's a potato gun! <laughs> Who'd have thought that a potato gun was going to fire potatoes? Well, you know, it's a fine piece of weaponry. I do think they should have gone one step further and, uh, and made it a t-shirt cannon, though. <laughs> so it is now time for the test 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole whoever knows these goes home except for the mole who can never go home Sammy had fun with Lisa lot she also thinks it's good that neither of them did the other side of the challenge the women had no chance of throwing properly on the train only really the men Thomas thinks that the best place for the mole to have been would have been peeling potatoes and Comfort gave wrong information on the walkie talkie Lancelot says it's weird that they were switched after 5 seconds the average person from Flanders should be able to do sit-ups for 20 seconds it was also interesting to him that Tosi's group didn't get back in time. The people outside the train really didn't have much to do with whether they made money or not, so the mole was probably on the train. Connie says it was like she'd won the Olympics when she got back from the running time, as it wasn't easy for her at her age. She didn't go home in episode one, so anything else is a bonus now. Comfort says that Tos went to a sports school and has a physical job, and she expected a little bit more stamina from him on the run. At one point, Lancelot asked Lieselot and Samuel if they should be using unpeeled potatoes, even though he was told it was their money. Reuben thinks that the mole was on the train, as that is where the money wasn't earned. They had high hopes, but then they saw the train group throw, and it was soul-destroying for him. Toast says it was such an anticlimax, they didn't even throw more than a metre. And Lieselot says that Thomas insists he said how far the throw would be, 10 metres, and had they known that, she would have been throwing the deer, and not Lila or Samia. Gilles says that it wasn't the most restful day for them, but he promises a more pleasant wake-up the next day for the remaining eight candidates. Did you notice in this uh, uh, test sequence they use elimination instead of execution here as well? They did last week, I think, as well. Yeah, so I'm wondering whether that's maybe just a new thing they're doing on all of the versions. Yeah, I mean, my my thoughts on this topic are, are quite well known. It doesn't have the the gravitas if you don't say execution, in my opinion. Yeah. But... You do you, team. You do you. You're wrong, but you do you. Yeah. But yeah, I did notice it last week that um, the Papa Bear was saying elimination rather than execution. Although actually has... Belkia does tend to say elimination, I think. I'm trying to think about past seasons. I've got a feeling that they've said elimination for a few years. Hmm. I'll have to go back and have a look during the wake. Nobody fact-checkers on this. Bindles can tell me for next week's episode. So Toast, Lancelot and Connie get green screens before Samia gets the red. She says it was a shame. Thomas says she seemed like she had everything under control and she wrote so much down. She thought she'd find it easier than it was, but the mole is really good. And she was a ray of sunshine and gave her all in every challenge. Kind of felt like everybody seemed sad that she was going home, but nobody was really particularly surprised. Yeah, I don't think anyone thought that she was the mole. Yeah. That's the difference. Like, from a contestant point of view, it's actually a good thing because 
you get an obvious candidate out of the way. Someone who is writing down a lot is probably going to be a massive threat when it comes to the the final test. But from an actual personal point of view, I think they were all a little bit heartbroken because she's so warm to be around. She was a lot of fun. She is a massive loss for the season, I would say. Oh, yeah. In two episodes. Like, there's a couple of people here I could lose without really losing much. I, I think Samyun is not one of those people. So next time, the horse riding that Matteo is looking for appears, Reuben shovels shit, there are blindfolded challenges, and the Grim Hotel Room has a vacancy for the candidates. Avoid the showers. Now that Logan's finally seen the episode, we can draft our pool. He sadly had first draft after last year, and it affected a lot in this pool. He claimed Reuben, Lila, Thomas and Connie, meaning that I claimed Lancelot, Comfort, Toast and Samia, leaving Lisa lot for the loser this episode. Had I had first draft, Logan would have got Lisa lot, and I would have got Lila, leaving Samia as the booby prize and changing absolutely nothing this week. For the first time in years, Logan isn't the first person to lose someone, sadly, meaning that not only do I lose Samia, but I'm punished further by getting Lisa lot in the process. <laughs> this is why you needed a third person. Well, the thing is, if we'd added you in, I don't know where you would have drafted. That's a good point. <laughs> That's the only thing. Like, Michelle's easy, because we just we just then use the, the Vidim results, but you're untested on this, at least with Belkia. On First Suspicions, thank you to everyone for doing First Impressions and First Suspicions. And I now have a lot of data. Based on first impressions alone, Lila was the most suspicious with 4 out of 10, followed by Toast at 4.29, Comfort at 4.79, Thomas at 4.93, Ruben at 5.21, Lancelot at 5.29, Connie at 5.57, Lancelot at 6.36, Samir at 6.79, and again, slash the mystery candidate slash world famous Matthias Simone at 7.79. Bingo. After both first impressions and suspicions, the order is now Ruben on 4.32, Lila and Comfort equal on 4.4, Lancelot at 4.44, Thomas at 4.56, Toast at 4.72, Connie at 5.52, Samuel at 6.6, Lisa at 7.28, and Matteo at 8.76. And adding the two of us doing the pool in moves Lancelot up to third. Five people, Jack, April Bride 15, Ollie, our very own Logan Saunders, and Euron on his first impressions list, but Samuel in the last very perfect start to the game with a score of 36. On the other end of the scale, our current loser is... David Bendley, with a score of 49. Hi. <laughs> Probably won't make a habit of mentioning who the current loser is unless it's someone we know and I can tease. So, yeah. well done, you idiot. <laughs> That's alright. I, I figure there's no chance of me getting a perfect score this year, so I don't really care. And as always, you can do the Bothers Bar Suspect List each week at suspectlist.rtvroys.com or at the link in our bio. On the subject of suspicions, last Thursday, production told us who Belgium suspected after one episode, and it was Lancelot in the lead with 22.7, followed by Ruben on 21.7, Comfort on 9.5, Connie on 9.2, Samuel on 9, Toast on 8.4, Thomas on 7.6, Lancelot on 6, and Lila on 5.9. And hilariously, they illustrated it with cast photos we haven't even seen. Interestingly, on that point as well, I did have a look to see whether they'd released this week's results already, and they obviously haven't. But on the website, when they, I suppose, grey out the pictures, or read out the pictures in Belkia's case, they actually change them from the cowboy picture to these pictures that they use for the suspicions image. However, they don't change Mateo's one. Mateo's one is still the cowboy one. Oh. So we have we have Samuel this week with a red background and this new profile picture, and Mateo is still dressed as a cowboy. 
because obviously they didn't bother doing a casual picture with him. So, on the subject of suspicions, who do you suspect? Okay, so, a little bit harder this week because I didn't really have subtitles for half of it. So it's more just, you know, feels like more than any actual sort of observations here. Ruben first, Comfort second, which basically the reverse of what I had last week. Connie in third, because I, I feel like even though she's doing good things, she's also sort of not great at some of the challenges. Lancelot in fourth, because if he's not the mole, he's probably one of the least competent people we've had in a long time. <laughs> Lila in fifth. Thomas in sixth, just because I feel like two episodes in, we haven't really seen a lot of him, which I think that fucking pain clip from the preview was directed at Thomas from memory. And then realising that that wasn't there made me realise, well, we haven't really seen a lot of him anywhere else either. And I, I don't think... I, I think if he was the mole, we would have seen like a little bit more out of him by now. And you know, I, I know it's not fair to judge this show based on its edit, but Toast in 7th, and then Lot in 8th, just because I, I still don't think they would have put themselves in a situation where the mole could have missed the first episode. Maybe, you know, in a week or two, I if those two are both still in there, I might reconsider that. But for now, I think those two are still the bottom two for me. Yeah, I've kind of grouped my suspicions this week in that my top three are Comfort, Toast, and Lila. Mm-hmm. All because if it was Connie, they've drawn a lot of attention to people suspecting Connie, which is yeah. suspicious in and of itself. I don't think they would do that this early if it was her. But there was a throwaway comment in the suspicions of Thomas saying, oh, Comfort actually snatched the walkie-talkie and was giving irrelevant information. I'm like, hmm, that is the sort of thing a mole would do. Yeah. Toast, obviously we saw a bit more of than we did last week. We didn't really know that he was a smoker. Mm. And it was interesting that all of their hopes basically for the running portion of that between him and Lila were on Toast being physical enough to be able to make the run, but also him being a smoker and being like, oh, I've got to take a windbreak. So I wouldn't be surprised if he used that as an advantage if he is the mole. Yeah. And I think the mole would potentially want to try and win the slow race, or win the trial race, just to stop everyone else seeing their reaction. So I'm just kind of still putting her in my top three going, hmm, it could still be you, maybe. Yeah. I'm more than willing to be wrong on on her, I think, at the moment. I, I feel like she'd make a good mole. Yeah, I think she'd make a good mole. But there's just something that's not 100% for me on her. And then the next tier of people are Lancelot and Reuben, where suspected them both last week. I still think Reuben's probably winning. Lancelot's kind of bubbling under as being maybe the mole, but I think he'd potentially be the most disappointing mole prospect of the final eight. And then, yeah, Thomas Coney, Lisa Lot. If Thomas or Lisa Lot don't go next week, I'll be very surprised. Hmm. And usually when we get the confessional from an older woman going, oh, I'm just happy to make it to episode two, she goes home that week. But she didn't, which maybe says to me that Connie's going to be a mid-season boot rather than going in the next couple of weeks. So I think Connie's probably sticking around. Yeah, it would be funny if she got the annual, I'm just happy to make it to episode two confessional, and then she's in the finale because she's the mole. Yeah, I would love it if she is. 
like we ha- we haven't had an older woman mole on this show at all. Yeah. And that would be delightful. But I I think she's too much for candidate at the moment to be honest. Yeah. Who do you think's going next week? Uh, I've got a feeling it's Lizalot. Uh I feel like it's either Lizalot, um, just because she hasn't she didn't really get a lot of information out of episode one. She was kind of away from things a little bit this episode. I don't think she's going to have as much information as everyone else in episode three still. But if it's not her, maybe Thomas, just because they're not really showing him that much. But I don't know. I like that it's more of a mystery trying to work out where this is going than Bitter Wars this year. Yeah, I like how we're not confident two weeks in. That's a fun sign for me. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think they're probably setting up for Thomas to go next week, being honest. Yeah. If I just had to pick one name, I'd say Thomas. Okay. But Thomas and Lethal are probably the next two to go in some order, I would say, unless we have a, a surprise. Hmm. We got anything else you want to say? No, I'm good. Wonderful. Well, what I have to say is thank you for joining me the past 12 weeks or whatever it is at this point, 13 weeks. Mm-hmm. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. And of course, you'll be back for whatever mole historians we do later in the year, which has already been recorded, so I can say that. Yeah. We're still not telling you what it is, but... Oh no, of course not. You're not rid of Bindles just yet. No. My condolences. But for now, thank you for listening to our Demol Velkia Season 11 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for the nearest mole in Arizona. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram where we are TV Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Bindles is on Twitter at the Grim Recapper, and I'm MJ Harmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtvwarriors. See you next week. Roost out and relax. Gavon taught the Vulcan the episode. Yeah. You're a teacher. You know what you're going to learn today? Fucking pain, Thomas. Pain.